at least 45 million Americans don't have a credit history, while 16 million don't have access to a bank account. These low-income consumers have a hard time getting car loans, owning a home, and are often trapped in cycles of debt and frustration. But one social entrepreneur is pulling the financially invisible out from the shadows through innovative solutions that leverage tradition, technology, and the belief that everyone deserves a fair marketplace. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Jose Quinones, founder and CEO of Mission Asset Fund, about how he's tackling stereotypes of low-income people and transforming the financial services sector through good old-fashioned lending circles and other programs so that everyone has a shot to achieve their dreams. The, the guiding principle of all of my work has really been to try to work for social justice, right. uh, to try to um, you know, address a lot of the inequalities in our, in our world uh, as we see them. Mm-hmm. And and I've tried to try to do that in a lot of different aspects of my career or throughout my career. And um, you know, so you know, one of the things I you know what drove me to the Mission Asset Fund and even the work of financial inclusion overall, mm-hmm. you know, was really this idea that uh, you know that that immigrants you know were somehow seen as you know less than or people that just didn't know enough or people that needed to be, you know, saved in some way, right? Because right. they obviously weren't, you know, managing their money well enough or they, you know, they didn't know how to, you know, how good red-blooded Americans bank and we need to sort of teach them how to do that. And mm-hmm. you know, those ideas were sort of, you know, underlining a lot of the programs and a lot of the policies and even the, you know, even the products that, that, are, that were created, you know, they're still created, you know, for, for people that are unbanked or, people that are just financially invisible. So I knew fundamentally that those assumptions or those programs or products were just going to fail ultimately because they were, they weren't based in reality. They were based in stereotypes, right. you know, or, or these bad things that, you know, that the people sort of conjure for, for immigrants overall. And so that sort of like led me to, to the work and not, not knowing exactly what the work was going to entail, but it was sort of like, I'm going to show, you know, them differently. I'm going to show mm-hmm. that this is actually, there's something more going on in the community itself. And, uh, and then one thing left, uh, you know, after another, of course, um, you know, and then we ended up creating math and London circles and 10 years later, you know, uh, it's yeah, 10 yeah. years. I, I, yeah. I just looked at that. I, I didn't realize how long it's been. So you have different programs that you run. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into a bit more about those programs and how they're impacting sure. communities? Okay. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think one of our, our principles is this, is that, you know, we want to create products that are relevant to people's lives. Right. It, that we didn't want to create something that was not based on the realities of their lives or, or, or products that weren't, you know, that weren't actually affecting, you know, a, well, what I call as a financial pain point mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so lending circles, you know, is our signature program that we created it so that we can help people build or improve their credit scores, you know, or, you know, expand on their credit histories because, you know, we knew that, you know, not having a credit report or credit score 
you know, was really one one of those huge impediments into developing their financial security. Right. Uh, you know, nowadays, you know, people need, you know, credit reports for everything, right? I mean, you know, in yeah. some cases, you know, to, to rent an apartment, then there are some states that, you know, they even allow for employers to look at credit reports before deciding whether to hire somebody or not. Yeah. You know, so so not having a credit report, you know, we knew that that was as a huge was a huge barrier in people's lives. So we created the program, you know, specifically to address that that one issue. Yeah. Um, you know, since then, you know, we've developed others to to help people uh, uh, pay for citizenship. Yeah, uh, Yeah, because yeah, we wanted to, you know, not just encourage it or, or sort of promote it, but we want, but we wanted to also, cr- you know, create the mechanism to actually. You know, uh, uh, do away with the barrier of, of, of legal permanent residence actually, you know, acquiring citizenship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of low income people, you know, in money, of course, or the cost of applying is actually one of those barriers. So, so our program was, was geared towards addressing that specific issue. Yep. Um, another, another program, you know, that did likewise was, uh, it's what we call the lending circles for, for dreamers or, or for DACA. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, this, this, this program is for, 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 for those young individuals that, that are able to apply for deferred action. Uh, and it was the same thing. We did that. Um, uh, we, we just started, we just created a new program to help, uh, uh, people that are either, you know, um, you know, facing deportation or, or, or in threat of deportation, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of give them an emergency loan to kind of, you know, just address some of that financial, you know, pain that comes with, you know, with, with, uh, with either themselves or, or somebody in their family getting deported. Uh, so, so we're sort of just, just created that program, uh, you know, this past couple of months and oh. we're about to roll it out in California. That's uh, as a way to, yeah, yeah so we're sort of addressed that the, the big concern in people's minds, which is, you know, as as people face or, or you know deportation, what happens to their financial lives, and oh, that's so that's a big yeah, they're very timely. Yeah. Yes, um, the lending circles are those. Uh, were those the first programs that you started, and and are those sort of the base for a lot of the other ones too? Or does everyone have to go through a lending circle to? Yeah, so, so yeah, they're all different. Okay. Um, but but they're based on on what we think is is most fundamental to the success of lending circle okay. lending circles, which is. Is this idea that people come together to help one another? Right. Uh, so, so these these programs aren't just like they come to us, we give them money, and then they walk away. You know? it means that we sort of create a you know a, a group dynamic or community dynamic, so that people know that they're that they're helping each other, right? And we're right. sort of the facilitators of that. So whether they're getting a lending circle, you know, for their own, you know, for, you know, just building credit or, or, or whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. or they're getting a lending circle for citizenship, we still create a sense of community, a sense of group process mm-hmm. so that people can become more, you know, more attached to the product itself. Right. And so there's a lot of common commonalities in that, right? But, um, but lending circles, you know, you know, just, just to start off with that one, um, you know, that, the, is, is sort of like based on this very traditional, very, uh, way of people come together to lending and saving money with one another. Mm-hmm. This is an age old tradition. Yes. Uh, it's common the world over, you know, in Mexico, them call Antanas, Condinas, Otra de Caribbean, they're called Susus. I mean, they come with, you know, a hundred different names in, mm-hmm. in, in different countries. And these are 
people that you know that may not have access to credit, you know, to the banking system in, in you know in, in their own countries. And what happens when 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 they don't, they basically kind of create their own their own access, right? Right. With with with, with helping each other. So so we basically took that 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 tradition of, of people coming together in groups to lending and saving together, and we then formalized that process by ha- by having them ac- sign a promissory note. And by virtue of them signing a promissory note, then that legal document basically transforms this very informal practice into a formal practice. Mm-hmm. A formal practice so that the, you know, the, the banking system can actually recognize the system. I mean, they recognize the, the financial um, transactions and for it, for them to begin, you know, become part of the credit report. Right, right. But, but our whole strategy is that it's not, like we don't want to become the lender of choice for our mm-hmm. client. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, instead we say, look, you know, we want to help you build your credit score so that you can walk into any bank, into any credit union, to any lender, and access, you know, the best rates on for on the best products, right? Just like any one of us would do. Okay, um, that that makes a lot of sense. And in terms of your your impact, and I I noticed on your on your website that you do measure it pretty pretty strictly. You you've actually partnered with some organizations, some schools perhaps that that help you measure that impact. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Well, so you know we we actually did a two year evaluation of our program, and then uh, we partnered with the San Francisco State University. Right. Uh, the Cesar Chavez Institute, and, and then there was a, you know, a group of, you know, academics that kind of came together to help us carry out this evaluation. And, and, uh, and that's, you know, a two year, uh, process where they, um, where we actually, um, you know, um, evaluated our, our, our clients, people mm-hmm. that went through our lending circle program. And then, and then we compared, uh, their, you know, their improvement of credit scores and credit histories with, with with a control group uh, that the, the people that did not go through our program, mm. but but people that look exactly like each other, right? And so then we were able to sort of compare the difference between you know between those two groups, the, the treatment group and the control group. Mm-hmm. And what we found was that uh, within the treatment group, the people that went through our program, we saw that their credit scores increased by an average of 168 points. Mm. Um, yeah, about a third of our clients, you know, started with, you know, no, no score with zero yeah. and they were zero to 600. Wow. And then the other 70%, you know, had started with the credit score and then they were able to see an increase of, you know, about 20 points within the span of 10 months. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, 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 um, the control group did not see such a high increase. I mean, they saw some increase, but but it wasn't as dramatic right. as it was for the people that went through our lending circle program. So, 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 so we were able to sort of, you know, at the very uh, basic level, you know, measure the credit scores. And, but, but we also saw a lot of other improvements in people's financial lives. I mean, people were able to pay down their debt in a much, much significant fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they got additional trade lines, meaning that they applied for other credit cards or, or other sort of, you know, installment loans or in some cases even mortgages. And that even in itself, that proved that, you know, this idea, this program was able to sort of help a lot of different people in different points of their journey, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're buying a house or whether they're starting a business or whether they're just, you know, building up their credit so that they can get the car in the next year or so 
And so this is a way to kind of prepare them to, to that point, you know, in their lives. Yeah, it's great. And what, what kind of challenges are you facing? Well, there's, there's definitely more demand for the program than, than we are able, uh, to provide, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a lot of other nonprofit organizations across the country that really are interested in delivering or providing lending circles to their own communities. Right. And so, you know, so on a weekly basis, monthly basis, we you know, we hear from from those organizations wanting, you know, for us to work with them to deliver the program to them, you know, to help them, you know, kind of uh, provide the program in their own communities. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a challenge for us because. Um, you know, because we've had to sort of build a whole infrastructure to work with nonprofits, but you know, but but, but we have limits to them, you know, to our ability sure. to engage more. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a great problem to have. Yes. Right? I mean, you know, it's a good thing to have demand, but the issue is like, well, how do you you know sustain it? How do you work with them? How do you you know uh, train nonprofits to do this? And that, that, that's a challenge in and of itself. Yeah, I can see that. And you're always um, that's that's just a quick side question in terms of nonprofits. Are those your main? Is that how you find the people mostly through uh, your connections and with with nonprofit organizations? They they bring um, members to you. Or? That's exactly right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, for us, you know, we wanted to um, you know to focus our work of helping you know low income individuals and you know and. And then the best way to do that is by basically working through a proxy of mm-hmm. a nonprofit, right? Uh, you know, because the other option was to say, well, let's let's provide this you know program you know online, and anybody and everybody could participate. Yeah. And then at, at that point, you're like, well, that could be great, but <laughs> how how do how 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 do we ensure that you know we're targeting you know people that are financially excluded, right? Right. We we say, well, let's uh, if we if we Partner through nonprofits, and then, and as a proxy, they're they're yeah. the ones that. That's how we find low-income individuals across the country. Makes sense. Makes sense. And and uh, which brings me to, to to this question of scaling. So, um, wh- where are you based now? And and is this where you've been based for ten years? Have you grown? Are you looking to grow? Are you, you know, which is also sort of uh, goes back to the question of challenges too. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so we've grown, you know, significantly. I mean, I started 10 years ago, you know, just by myself mm-hmm. and then, you know, hired Daniela Salas, who's our, you know, chief operating officer. And mm-hmm. then we build a program from there. But now we're a staff of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, as a, for a nonprofit, that's, you know, that's a good size, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we've grown as, as the demand for the program has increased, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so we're trying to be, you know, smart about it, right? Um, yeah. You know, we, we definitely, you know, do want to continue growing, you know, because I, we know that there's definitely a need for this, mm-hmm. you know, but for, for a nonprofit that, you know, we don't have access to venture capital or, you know, huge sums of money from, you know, from government. Right. So we have to sort of grow as, as, as grants and contributions become available to us mm-hmm. so that we can grow in a more organic, you know, fashion. And right now, you're still your geographical focus is is uh, is San Francisco. Is that the, the has it gone beyond there? Yeah, it's gone beyond. I mean, okay. definitely, we we work we provide the program to you know folks here in the San Francisco Bay Area directly, right? Okay. Right. Yeah, you know, but but we have scaled the program nationally by by franchising the program to other nonprofit organizations. Uh. Okay. And so, you know, we have partnerships with 51 other nonprofit organizations, which means that, 
We basically kind of give them access to the program. Mm -hmm. We train their staff to provide the program to their own communities. Mm -hmm. And in this way, you know, we have one office in San Francisco, but uh, we're working with organizations in Chicago and New York and Miami and L.A., you know, and Denver, you know, even in, in Tennessee where so so we have we're working with organizations in those communities, which basically makes, you know, allows us to just have one office in San Francisco, but yeah. through technology, you know, we can provide it, you know, across the country. And have you been doing that a long time or is that a relatively new uh, thing, the, the expansion in terms of that quote-unquote franchisee model across? Yeah. It's- yeah, well, we started that in 2012. Okay. Uh, that's when we started that process of saying, well, how do we expand? Because, mm-hmm. you know, before then, you know, we were essentially just building – the pilot here in San Francisco, we were, you know, you know, fine tuning the product and, and then we're getting kind of, you know, we're getting a lot of interest from, 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 from funders about what we're doing. And they were also interested in, you know, in, in seeing the program in their own, you know, uh, footprint. Right. So, so at that point we were, we were challenged with the question of like, well, how do you expand or how do you scale? You know, with, 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 with a, with a concrete idea that nonprofits do not scale in the way that for-profit groups scale, right? Nice, Which is right. by opening up offices everywhere, or, 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 or you know, or you know, stores everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's just not, we, you know, that's just cost prohibitive for us. Yes, yes. So in 2011, we, you know, we got to thinking and said, well, you know, how do we do it? Well, and then, and then we basically took, you know, uh, an idea from our clients, you know, and, 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 and we took a page right off of their playbook, which was. Which is the idea that, you know, it's like when you can't do something alone, you have to partner with other people mm. to help you achieve it, <laughs> which is <laughs> a really simple thing. It's like if you can't, you know, and anyway, that's exactly what yeah. we're doing. We're working with other nonprofits to scale. Because, uh, so partnering with other nonprofits, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and is that part of your, your growing future plans as well? Do you plan on, on, on adding more and franchisees, I'm saying in quotes and, and however you want to refer to them, but is that expansion model a part of your, your future, let's say 10, two years, five years plan? Is there going to be even more of that? Do you think, is it working well? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely working well and definitely we want to further expand it, but uh, we also want to, uh, uh, you know, also deepen our <clears throat> our understanding of our work. Mm-hmm. So our our you know work in the future is going to be yes, more lending circles, more partners. But but we're also going you know we're going to ask the questions like well, what did we learn from all this work? Right. And how can this how can those learnings help influence not just our own you know technical work of providing lending circles, but but how can it inform our work of developing policies? you know, to help poor people mm-hmm. or to develop other financial products that may not necessarily be, you know, lending circles per se, but it could be something else. Right. And so so that comes by, you know, deeper analysis, deeper, you know, getting deeper insights mm-hmm. into the lives of poor people and, and then figuring out how to best, you know, work with them, you know, you know through a, a program like lending circles. Okay. So you, the, the future might look a little bit different depending on what you – feel is the, the current needs that might that might have evolved okay yeah exactly and you know because you know uh, change i mean you know needs change yeah and, and then you know the idea you know, again that's one of our central central themes of our work is that 
you know, we have to provide um, relevant financial products and services to help people, mm-hmm. you know. And so, well, what, what is that? What is relevant mean? Well, in is is contextual, right? You know, but the context is is changing, right? <laughs> Not just in their own, you know, their own particular lives, but the, you know, the social context is changing, the political context is changing, yeah. And so, so we have to be nimble in the way that we, you know, create and approach, uh, you know, those solutions because, you know, what worked something ten years ago may not necessarily work, you know, now. Yes, I understand that yeah. completely. The, the, any lessons that you've learned over the years? Um, uh, any tips, advice for others that are looking to tackle challenges in a big way or even a small way <laughs> and uh, what you've perhaps learned from your process? Yeah. Well, I mean, one, one of the, the key lessons, I think, is that, um, you know, is that sometimes, well, not sometimes, but a lot of the times we, you know, severely undermine or underestimate uh, people's resiliencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we think of poor people as, you know, as broken or, or that poverty is somewhat their fault or, you know, that they're just, you know, uh, behaving badly and that we just need to correct their behavior or, or we need to nudge them in the one way or another so that we can, you know, manipulate their lives or something, right? And, yeah. and as it's, it's all very condescending. I think we need to sort of call that out for what it is to sort mm-hmm. of say, well, if that is your premise, if that is a starting point, then, then the, the likelihood of any success, you know, with that premise is, is, is fairly, you know, small, right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because that's not the realities of people. And, you know, and people are very resilient and people are very, you know, they have a lot of knowledge and strength and power already within them. And so all we need to do is sort of figure out what that is and then figure out how we can build upon that power. Not, not that we come in and empower them as if we're sort of some, some divine creatures or something, right? And it's like, that's not, that's not, that's not our role. Our role is, is to figure out what are the barriers that are entrapping them from seeing their, you know, their capacity to fully develop yeah. and, and removing those barriers. That's our role. And, yeah. and that's something that I would love to sort of, you know, talk more about and say more about because I think there's, you know, that, that's a, that's a lesson that applies not just with lending circles or financial services, but really throughout all, all policies, mm-hmm. you know, that deal with low-income people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually just one, one thing I wanted to bring up, cause you mentioned policy, uh, and policy change. I, I saw that you were part of, uh, passing of the, was it SB 896, the law into force? Yes. Course. That's right. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Definitely. I mean, you know, so in California, we were, you know, we were very fortunate that that, that uh, we were uh, actually approached by a senator, mm-hmm. state senator, <clears throat> wanted to help us. You know, they saw our work, they saw the success of Lending Circles, and then they basically asked us, like, what can we do to help you expand? Yeah, We want to see this program, not just in San Francisco, but across the state of California. Mm-hmm. And so when that senator asked me that point blank, I was like, well, senator, you know, we need to have a regulatory assurance for this particular work. You know, because innovating in the financial, in the financial space is actually very, uh, you know, it's very costly right. and, and, and it's very precarious, right? You know, yes. and so, yeah. So, so he basically was able to, uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, introduce a bill that recognized lending circles as a force for good hmm. and also gave us an exemption status 
to the uh, California uh, lender's license laws. Oh. Uh, so that that way, with that exemption, we were able to sort of create a space for ourselves to further innovate and further create, you know, innovative products to help low-income people. Hmm. And, uh, you know, in, in, in exchange for that exemption status, you know, he basically required us to report our activities to the to the to the state of California, and I was gladly obliged. <laughs> <laughs> like, we want to report to the state of California because we want to basically, you know, uh, you know, instruct the state on on on, on what a successful program looks like, yeah. right? Yeah. And so and so, you know, he asked like, well, would this reporting would would that you know, be overburdening to you i'm like no <laughs> we want to do that uh, but, but but we needed that, that exemption status or that space yes for us to feel like you know we have regulatory you know uh, assurance to our work you know but also the ability to say here's what we want to you know we, we want to focus our creative energies you know on <laughs> probably a proud moment that uh that that is exciting so um Thank you so much for sharing that. And and uh, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I really do appreciate you speaking with me. I think these conversations yeah. are important. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Bernstein.